0: Guardian Unlimited.
1: Questions to the Prime Minister, Henry Bellingham.
2: Number one, sir.
1: Yeah. Mr. Speaker, before listing my engagements, I'm sure the whole House will wish to join me in sending our profound condolences to the families and friends of the three servicemen killed in Iraq at the weekend. They were Private Edward Vakabua of the 4th Battalion, the Rifles, Lance Corporal Ryan Francis of the 2nd Battalion, the Royal Welsh, Corporal Christopher Reed of the 3rd Regiment, Royal Military Police. They died doing vital work for our country. We owe them a deep debt of gratitude. Amen. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with Ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in the House, I shall have further such meetings today.
2: Mr. Speaker, is the Prime Minister aware that the ringleader of the 21st July terrorist attacks, Mukhtar Ibrahim, was allowed to travel backwards and forwards to Pakistan to a terror camp, despite the fact that he was wanted on extremism charges in the UK. Throughout this time, he was given succour and encouragement by his al Does this case not illustrate the overwhelming argument for banning this evil organisation and also for bringing in a dedicated UK border police? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mr Speaker, uh, I have uh, looked at the argument put to me last week about the banning of the organisation uh, this will be kept under continuous review. Equally, 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 I have looked and continue to look at the argument for a national border police force. But I have to say to him, it is the combination of an e-border system that operates in airports and ports way outside our country that prevent people coming in in the first place, and the introduction of identity cards that would do the best do the best to deal with the problem at home. And if I, if I can just uh, add about uh, the particular. Um, Person who has been uh, uh, found guilty and sentenced to life imprisonment, Uh, there are three instances that we have got to deal with here, and I have looked at all of them. Uh, The first is when he he, uh, was guilty of crimes in Britain in the early 1990s and later 1990s, under the new laws, he would have been deported from this country. The the second thing is he he, he applied for a passport, he applied for citizenship of this country and receive citizenship because all his offences as juveniles have been wiped off. That would not happen now, and he would not get citizenship of this country. And I'm looking very carefully at the circumstances that surround his visit to Pakistan. Andy Reid. As the Prime Minister knows, many in the
2: faith community and elsewhere, like myself, still have concerns about uh, super casinos. Believing that they will add to the current problem of 400,000 people who suffer gambling problems.
0: Yeah. Given
2: the majority of the public believe that these super casinos will add to gambling problems and social breakdown, will he use this sort of period of reflection and change in policy to look again at the policy of super casinos and go back to the original purposes of the Act, the 19, 2005
1: Act, which was to regulate gambling and reduce gambling problems? You bet. Yeah. Mr Speaker, it's true to say that this is an issue on which there is no consensus uh, found within the two Houses of Parliament. And it's an issue that is now subject to reflection over the next uh, few months. In September, we will have uh, a report that will look at gambling in our country and at the incidence and prevalence of it and the social effects of it. I hope that during these uh, summer months, we can look at whether regeneration in the areas for the super casinos may be a better way of meeting their economic and social needs than the creation of super casinos. David
2: Cameron. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to Corporal Christopher Reid, to Lance Corporal Ryan Francis, and Rifleman Edward Vakuba, who died serving their country. Last week, the Government announced a fundamental review of the NHS... Will the Prime Minister confirm that no hospital closures or service reductions will take place until that review is completed?
1: What what I can confirm is that the seven uh, proposals that are before the Secretary of State will be referred to the medical panel, an independent medical panel, that will make recommendations on what is the right way forward. what I can also confirm is that as the review is taking place throughout the country, then all decisions will be based on medical and clinical need. And we will report back to the House on the review at the time of the pre-budget report in October. And that will be the basis on which we will proceed further. Can I say to him also that there are 108 new hospital developments in this country as a result of what this government has done. And that the difference between the two sides of the House here is that we are prepared to spend more money on the Health Service, he has never guaranteed an extra penny on the National Health Service. So the
2: answer is no, the cutbacks go on, the closures go on, the service reductions go on. What is the point of holding a review if you're not going to stop and wait for its conclusions? Now, let's take, a, let's take a specific example. Can he confirm that the Health Care for London report published today will lead to the closure of accident and emergency departments and, um, and maternity wards all over London? A simple yes
1: or no will do. This, this is not correct. Lord Darcy, Lord Darcy, Lord Darcy who has uh, conducted this review, and this review is for consultation and then for local decision-making and then... Oh, yeah. This is a route for local consultation decision-making. What Lord Darcy Darcy has actually said, and I quote quote this to the leader of the Conservative Party, I don't think there will be any need for hospital closures.
2: I think the Prime Minister is getting a bit ahead of himself. He's not even
1: Lord Darcy
2: yet. Anyway, I asked him a simple question. The author, yeah, the author of the report... The author of the report says this. The days of the District General Hospital are over and we need fewer, fewer more advanced hospitals. What can that mean if it doesn't mean cutbacks in departments and closure within existing hospitals?
1: Mr Speaker, it means more money for the National Health Service this year, next year and the year after. Money that this opposition will not match. It means a proposal for 150 new polyclinics, which will mean that GPs will be able to undertake operations. It means an improvement in specialist care in London. It means this government prepared to finance the National Health Service. Now, let, me, let, let me just remind the House, uh, Mr. Mr. Speaker, if we're updating ourselves on Conservative Party policy, not only, not only will they not match us on health service spending, but they've just issued a report on the future of hospitals where they say that because of their funding mechanism, and I quote, hospitals brings risk of financial failure. It says this will entail risk to the assets necessary for the provision of essential national health services. Now, who is closing hospitals? Is it us or that side? It's a Conservative Party
2: think people will start to conclude that this Prime Minister just can't answer a straight question? Yeah. Now, he says he wants to listen to people. He says he wants to listen. He says he wants to listen, so will he confirm that the report specifically says that people don't want these changes?
1: The, report specific, the, the report's author specifically says, because he's talking about closures, I don't think there will be any need for hospital closures. Look, Mr. Speaker, the opposition want to run a scare campaign about the future of having health In 1997, there were 300,000 people waiting six months or more for operations. It's now in the low hundreds now, and it's thanks to the investment of a Labour government. It wouldn't happen under the Conservatives. <laughs>
2: again, he won't answer the question. And again, he hasn't actually done his homework. I asked him whether Londoners supported these changes, and the report says in paragraph 36, 58% of Londoners would choose existing hospitals as opposed to investing in fewer, larger hospitals. So people don't like his plan. Will he listen to them?
1: Mr Speaker, Lord Darcy is not proposing the closure of existing hospitals. It's hardly surprising if people were asked, do you want to close your hospital, that they might say no. But Lord Darcy, Lord Darcy, Lord Darcy is not proposing, what Lord Darcy is proposing is 150 new polyclinics. That means that doctors, consultants, into the surgeries to do much needed operations that can be done in a GP surgery. He's proposing the expansion of specialist care. He's proposing that the teaching hospitals are able to do more research. I think the Leader of the Opposition would be better to look at the report before he commented on it. Let's just remind him what Sir
2: Aridazi says. The days of the District General Hospital are over. We need fewer, more advanced hospitals. That means maternity units go. It means accident and emergency units go. It means specialist services go. Isn't the truth that his health policy is... Uh, uh, uh. The Honourable Ladies shouldn't shout, and the Honourable Ladies behind us shouldn't shout either. The truth is, they know this means cuts in NHS services. And isn't the truth, his health policy is exactly the same as it ever was. More closures, more removal of services, more job losses. Doesn't this report out today show that all we're going to get is more of the same from a government that's failed?
1: (laughs) Mr Speaker... He says more job cuts. There are 80,000 more nurses in the National Health Service. There are 30,000 more doctors. A&E have 5 million more attendances every year as a result of investment. And as for for him and his policy on the National Health Service, he can spout the slogans, he can hold his press conferences, he can issue his glossy booklets. We, We will get on with running the National Health Service better. He can go for his PR, I'll go for being PM, and we'll get on with the job.
2: My right, honourable friend will, my right honourable friend will not need reminding of the momentous event that took place two weeks ago today. On june twenty seventh, the 27th, a Grateful Nation celebrated Veterans Day.
0: Yeah.
2: Will the government undertake to ensure that the thirty five thousand veterans of the Malaysian campaign
1: are allowed to wear the Pinjat Jasa Malaysia Medal yeah. next Veterans Day? Yeah. I'm grateful to my my honourable friend he was a veterans minister who brought in the veterans medal enabled it to expand to large numbers of people who otherwise wouldn't have had it and I think in all our constituencies we can see thousands of people who are benefiting from being awarded a veterans medal which is a recognition of their service to our country I will certainly look at his proposal and report back to the House Sir Mingus Campbell I join the Prime Minister in his expressions once again of condolence and sympathy what is the Prime Minister's
2: assessment of the sums wasted by fraud, error and overpayment in the tax credit system which he set up three years ago?
1: Mr Speaker, Mr. Speaker it's very interesting that the leader of the Conservative Party didn't ask anything about the married couple of or tax credits, and it's been, left, it's been left to the leader of the Liberal Party to pick up the baton. Can I, can I say to him that tax credits are the most successful policy in removing child poverty in this country? Six million families benefit from tax credits. Yes, there was error in the computer to start with, and it is being substantially reduced. But yes, he should also admit there are 600,000 children who are not in poverty today because they are receiving tax credits. Yeah. Um, the
2: Prime Minister said this morning on the radio, there's still a long way to go. The truth is that the... The truth is that the money wasted is heading towards £9 billion, £9 billion which could have been better spent, and behind that figure there are 2 million families whose lives have been made miserable by error and overpayment. Isn't that the responsibility of the Prime Minister?
1: I'll tell the Leader of the Opposition, he knows what it means by saying, a long way to go. (laughs) I, I I I tell him this, that child benefit was £11 when we came into power, it will be £20 in 2010, that the child tax credit was £27 now, and it is rising for the poorest families to over £70, compared with £28 when the Conservatives were in power. We have done more through these measures to take children out of poverty than any previous government in the last 30 or 40 years of this country, and he should be supporting the tax credit system, not condemning it. Alan Simpson.
2: The Prime Minister will know that there are tens of thousands of families around the land now who fear that their housing futures are going to be plagued by the prospect of regular flooding and ultimate uninsurability. Given the pressure that he is under to approve further development on floodplain land, will he consider making the developers liable for full insurance cover for development on those lands for the first 20 years of the life of those developments, rather than leaving the tenants and owners of the properties to be both the victims financially and the victims of the flooding?
1: Mr Speaker, I shall certainly look at the proposal he put forward, but can I say this, that we're increasing flood prevention monies from 600 million to 800 million. I visited the areas that have been subjected to the worst of floods uh, over these last few weeks and I was there on Saturday and I I visited a number of people who are not insured and we have to do something to help them in these circumstances. I talked to the local authorities and we gave special help to them to get over the difficult circumstances now. We have to help them also with reconstruction But I hope he will agree with me that to increase the flood prevention budget from 600 million to 800 million at a time when we have other priorities we have got to meet is a sign of our determination to deal with the proper defences against floods. Sir Peter Tapsell.
2: Can the right honourable gentleman think of any ministerial decision in the domestic sphere? that has been taken during his time as a member of this House that has caused more lasting harm to the British people than his withdrawal of £100 billion from the pension funds as a result of his abolition of dividend fair play.
1: I I think think, think the... I think the Honourable Gentleman is referring to dividend tax credit. Can I, just, can I just tell him that despite the stock exchange crash and despite what he says about tax changes, the assets of pension funds in this country have risen from 500 billions in 1997 to over a trillion now. And I believe that the pensions of the people of this country are better protected because of the pensions bill that we will bring in, and I hope there will be all-party support for it. John humble.
0: Minister's earlier answer on the issue of super
1: casinos.
0: (laughs) Does my right honourable friend recall that in the debate on this issue, there was an acknowledgement that locating a super casino, or indeed any of the casinos, would, uh, in a resort location, would minimise the impact of problem gambling and maximise the regeneration potential. So, when he looks at the report that he referred to on problem gambling in the autumn, will he take into account the special needs of a town like Blackpool? Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> M- Mr. Speaker, can, can I thank my honourable friend for speaking up at all times for the needs of the people of Blackpool? And she does it with uh, great eloquence. We shall look at the proposal that she is putting forward, of course. But I have to say, there are means to regeneration for our coastal towns, and particularly our great uh, holiday resorts. And the means include investing in local infrastructure, investing in hotels and conference centres. And at the same time, of course, we know that will have put forward proposals, first of all, about uh, a tram line, secondly, about a, a museum of uh, the theatre, uh, and thirdly, proposals for a better conference centre. And I want to look with her at all of these proposals and see how government can help. Yeah. Andrew Rosendale. Yeah. Uh, Mr. S- yeah. Mr Speaker, I'm delighted that the Prime Minister has at long last decided
2: to join my campaign to fly the Union flag yeah. from every public yeah. building. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah throughout the United Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when is he going to start treating my constituents in England in the same fair way that he treats his constituents in Scotland and give us English votes for English laws?
1: Yeah. Mr Speaker, there is one United Kingdom Parliament. We are, all part, we are all part of the United Kingdom. Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland and England. And I hope you will agree that there is no two class of citizens in this House.
0: Thank you very much indeed, uh, Mr Speaker. Um, from a Scots MP, uh, my brother, Gregor Moffat, left last month to serve in Afghanistan with the territorial British army. Does my right honourable friend have a message for the brave volunteers who leave their families to serve their countries in war?
1: I'm grateful to my honourable uh, friend and to the service that has been given by her brother, I was in Afghanistan, and I was also in Baghdad and then in Basra in Iraq, and I have got nothing but praise for those people in the Territorial Army who have volunteered with this, with their skills to help in Iraq and Afghanistan, and I believe the whole House will want to say that we owe a debt of gratitude to them as well. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: How can the Prime Minister justify that nurses in his constituency are paid a lot more than in mine in the London borough of Bexley for doing exactly the same job? And is he aware that the closures that my right honourable friend, the Leader of the Opposition, uh, raised about potential closures of hospitals in South London is a real issue?
1: And that that is why I read to him what Lord Darcy had said this morning about the purpose of his report. The purpose of his report is to improve health services in London it is to create a system of polyclinics that will mean that people will get access to health care nearer their home. These proposals are now out to consultation, and I hope the Honourable Gentleman will join that consultation. And at the same time, every nurse from November the 1st will be receiving the same rate of pay. Jim Cunningham, is, is, my Friend, ask, is my Honourable Friend aware that two
2: Coventry police officers have been nominated for the Police Bravery Award? These two officers, Owen and Radiki, Arrested two men, one armed with a thrown off of shotgun, does that not say a lot about the bravery of the British police force? Yeah.
1: Grateful to my honourable friend, and I, I will be hosting a reception at Downing Street for the brave uh, police uh, men and women who are going to be receiving these rewards uh, this week. And again, I have nothing but praise for what they are doing. Uh, they undertake uh, very difficult work uh, with great uh, courage, uh, and increasingly in circumstances where we face a terrorist threat as well, uh, they deserve the full-hearted support of the public, and everybody who has received these awards for their uh, a- absolute and uh, uh, tremendous courage uh, should be thanked by all of us.
2: Speaker, um, would the Prime Minister explain to me how it is, after a £24 million grab from the Welsh Lottery Fund,
1: that people in North Wales will in any way, economically or otherwise, benefit from the Olympic Games in London? Well, I, I hope I hope uh, uh, that uh, despite the difference in party labels uh, that every part of this house will support Britain having the Olympic Games uh, all the opinion polls show that in every part of the country including Wales the Olympic Games are welcomed by people and when I go around the country I find young people in every part including Wales wanting to compete in the Olympic Games and to represent our country yeah. <laughs>
2: The uh, Prime Minister's predecessor was hugely supportive of the Motor Neuron Disease Association's campaign to raise £15 million to find a cure for this dreadful and terminal disease. As a direct result, so far we've raised almost £4 million this year from private donors. Could I ask if the new Prime Minister would meet representatives of the MND Association to maintain the momentum and help us achieve a goal I believe we all
1: share, a world free of MND? Here, here. I, un- I understand uh, uh, the, the Honourable Member's interest in this, uh, and I know that he has been a long-standing campaigner for support for both the Medical Research Council and others to do greater research into motor neuron disease. I support, as someone who has also seen uh, people die of motor neuron disease, uh, the research that has been done. I will do my best to support everything that he is doing. I would be very happy to meet him uh, and all those who are associated with this uh, good work. Uh, and I'll be very happy to meet them in Downing Street at the soonest possible opportunity. Jimmy Reeds.
2: thank you, Mr. Speaker. On behalf of 40,000 British nuclear workers and 17,000 workers in my own constituency, can I thank the Prime Minister for his unequivocal support for the industry at the dispatch box last week? Will he now join me in urging members on all sides of this House to support the government's energy bill when it comes to the floor of this House? Yeah. Yeah, I, I
1: think uh, the, the honourable Gentleman knows that we put out to public consultation on the 23rd of May our nuclear uh, proposals. The Government's preliminary view is that nuclear has a future role in providing our homes and our businesses with the low-carbon energy that we need. Let me emphasise that the Government will make its decision in the autumn, after and in the light of the consultation. Angela Watkinson.
0: The
2: Prime Minister claims to treat everybody equally. So why do nurses in his constituency earn more? <laughs> <laughs> the prime minister ask, my honourable uh, order, the for
0: uh, order! Allow the honourable lady to speak. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The prime minister didn't ask the question yeah. from my friend, the honourable member for Bexley.
1: She, she, she's, she, she's referring to a decision that was made by the Scottish uh, Parliament in relation to nurses in Scotland. But I have to tell her that from November the first, all nurses will be paid exactly the same rate dr. Palmer uh,
2: my constituent Dr. Aziz, has asked me to congratulate the Prime Minister and the Home Secretary on the moderate tone which they have taken in response to terrorist attacks he 's a leading Muslim scholar and he asked me to ask the Prime Minister to confirm that he sees it not as a struggle between different civilizations but between ordinary people of all religions and none and the people who seek to kill us.
1: I'm grateful to my honourable friend and I think what has been encouraging in the last few days is the number of organisations in all different faiths of our country who have come out and condemned uh, the attempted attacks uh, which happened in Britain in the last few days. Uh, I believe that all mainstream opinion will want to stand up against extremism. And I hope that in the next uh, few months we can set up interfaith councils in every constituency and every community of our country so that we can bring the face together, all moderate opinion, against uh, those extremists who uh, are trying to disrupt our civilisation but at the same time, of course, offend every decent value of human dignity. Philip number nine, Mr. Speaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would like to pay tribute to the Honourable Gentleman's work and say that we will support uh, the campaign he is taking to combat violent substance abuse by young people.
2: Mr Speaker, volatile substance abuse involving glue, lighter fuels and sprays kills more young people aged 10 to 16 uh, than die from illegal drug use. And there are three government departments involved in combating this nuisance, health, education and the Home Office. Does the Prime Minister share my disappointment that prior to the reshuffle, Solvit, a Kettering-based charity doing much good work in this area, was refused a meeting with the then Education Minister and will, under his government, will he arrange to facilitate a meeting with his replacement?
1: Well, uh, well, uh, of course I will, and I apologise if if in the the meantime that meeting did not take place. I will make sure the meeting takes place. We have published a national framework uh, for dealing with substance abuse He has been a campaigner on this issue, and I do pay tribute also to Barbara Skinner, one of his constituents, who set up the charity in 1998. We are very happy to work with her, and to work with all people who are interested in finding some better solutions to combating this terrible problem.
2: Based on a single unpublished academic paper and anecdotal sources, a proposal has been put forward yesterday which would end the hugely successful GP-led drug treatment programme in my constituency. Will the Prime Minister confirm that his drug treatment policy will be based on evidence (laughs) and proven success, rather than on the political prejudice of the Commission for Social Justice?
1: I'm grateful to my honourable friend for raising this issue. It is true that Britain has a major drug problem. It is also true that we need a new and better strategy for dealing with this, and I have announced already that we are going to formulate such a strategy. At the same time, I think opposition members should acknowledge that the numbers of people receiving help with drug rehabilitation has doubled in the last few years, and we are attempting to help solve a problem that has ruined the lives of so many young people. And if the Opposition wishes to work with us on this, then they must admit that the public spending that is necessary for doing this has got to be found, and they should resist the third fiscal rule, which would mean they would be spending less and not more in the future.
2: Yeah. 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 Thank you, Mr yeah. The Prime Minister talks about the need for more open and transparent politics, but can he therefore explain why his Government continues to defy the Information Commissioner by refusing to publish the first full draft of the Iraq dossier, produced by the Foreign Office press uh, officer, John Williams, on the 9th of September 2002, one day before John Scarlett produced his own first draft. Does he not believe that actions speak louder than words? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I, th- I think the Honourable yeah. Gentleman should recognise that this is a process where the Government has rights under the Information Act as well, and we are pursuing a, a policy where we are defending our rights in relation to that, but a decision will be made in due course.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Please, Elman.
0: Uh, Yesterday, the House heard very welcome proposals for tackling deprivation. Will the Prime Minister start to put these plans into action by supporting pilot schemes in areas like Liverpool, addressing the particular problems of young people who leave school and do not go on to further education, do not go on to training and do not have a job?
1: This, this, I agree with my honourable friend, is a major challenge that we now face. While there are far more young people in education than there were before, far more young people in work than ever before. There is still a group of young people whom the New Deal has not yet got to, and that is the group of people that we want to help with transition so that they can undertake apprenticeships and they can have a path to a career. And I've just got to tell Honourable Gen- uh, gentlemen opposite, if they want to support us in doing that, then they will have to also say that they will provide the equivalent funding to do so. And that is, and that is lacking in everything that the Conservative Party says at the moment. Martin Horwood.
2: The whole House will be aware of the acute personal importance to the Prime Minister of one particular NHS issue. In his new home, he is still within just nine miles of 19 consultant-led maternity wards. If plans go ahead, this will compare with none at all in Cheltenham. Will his government now reverse the trend towards less choice further from home in maternity care for so many parts of the country?
1: What we are trying to, to do with maternity care is give every mother the choice, the choice having had access to a midwife, to be able to have the birth at home or the birth in a midwife-led unit or the birth in a maternity unit that is uh, staffed by, by consultants and doctors. And that is a choice that is going to be open to every mother from 2009, and I hope he will support this extension of choice, which means that there are more doctors, more nurses and more midwives helping them. Sharon Hodgson. Thank
0: you, Mr Speaker. Is the Prime Minister aware of the plight of over 1,000 quick-save staff? Struggling to feed their families following the, clo- the company 's closure, will he do all he can to ensure that these, these people are not left high and dry when this happens, and also back us door, the shop workers union who are st- striving to secure seven weeks back pay and redundancy money for these quicksave workers
1: and yeah. A- any redundancy that hits uh uh, people and their livelihoods is something that we are, are sad about, and we'll try to do everything that we can. I hope that we can provide help for these workers through the New Deal, and I hope we can look at the financial circumstances in which they are in, and if she wants to contact me, we will have a meeting to discuss it.
2: Ben Wallace. Yeah. 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 Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister can scrutinise health policy in my constituency. But because I represent an English constituency, I cannot scrutinise health policy in his constituency. Is this not an example? We already have a two-tier Parliament. And when is he going to put the fairness back into the United Kingdom?
1: I, I, think, I think the Honourable Gentleman should, should understand the devolution settlement. This Parliament voted the right to make decisions on health to Scotland and Wales. It also voted the right to make decisions on specific issues to London it is right that this house of commons can make these decisions but having made these decisions and the conservative party having said that they accept devolution it's a bit much for them now to change their mind yes. Order.
0: guardian unlimited